We will begin this evening thinking about Satan, thinking about our, our old and our continuous adversary. You know, Peter says, 1 Peter 5, we need to be sober, we need to be vigilant. Our adversary, the devil, our adversary, Satan himself. He walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan has a number of devices. And the Apostle Paul, over in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 11, he said, we're not ignorant of his devices. That tells us that we need to Make sure that we are aware of how Satan works. And then remember that he has more than one way. He has devices. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, the apostle says, We need to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. The devil doesn't care how we characterize or label what he does. He's going to use every means possible to get us to sin and to leave God. But one of the ways that he works, and we'll talk about that a little while this evening, is through uh, compromise. Compromise. The devil, all he wants from us is an inch. That's all he wants. That's all. The devil knows something that a lot of us don't know. All he needs from us is just an inch. Just an inch. Because he knows that God requires a full-hearted devotion a life fully given to the Lord, and all the devil is looking for is just an inch. Just an inch. In what categories of our life does, does the devil work, or in what parts of our lives does the devil come after us? Well, every part. Every part. He doesn't care what it takes, in what angle he uses to try to get us to, to leave the Lord. Think about a few categories um, that we all could, can agree on or we can all can think about together. Think about our devotional life, our worship life. Well, the devil has caused people to go sideways there and uh, leave the pristine, original New Testament plan of, of worship. Think about doctrinal matters, those things that, that we teach and those things that we believe. Okay. Think about our, our stand upon Scripture and how the devil uh, works very hard to get people to doubt uh, the Scriptures and to doubt what the Scriptures uh, teach. And of course, think about morality. Think about how that the Lord wants us to behave and he wants us to carry on our lives in a certain way 
and to carry on our family lives a certain way. The Lord has spoken toward uh, these matters, and of course Satan has caused uh, people to really wonder and be perverse in, in this regard. Think about the mission. Think about the mission of God. And that is just as much a part as the will of God as any of these matters. The mission of God. James 4.17 says, He that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. The devil knows that. The devil can get us to compromise in our mission into the world. Then he's certainly done his job. And so be thinking about these categories as we move along. Our devotional life, the doctrinal matters, the dedication the Lord expects of us, the morality, the behavior he expects, and the mission that he expects us to carry out, and how the devil works very hard in each of these areas. Our plan for just a few minutes uh, this evening is to notice a few scriptures together that warn us about compromise, a few examples also from scripture that, that warn us about compromise, but then to get to this question, and that is, why do otherwise good people, why do people, why do we compromise the truth? Why do we compromise what we know to be godly values and godly virtues? Why? What are some of the reasonings that, that come up and that we use to justify the very compromise that, that's coming out into our lives? And so let's... Let's do a few things uh, together here. Uh, let's start in Galatians 5. We'll turn together for about three passages or so, and then we'll just make reference to, uh, to some others. So let's start in Galatians chapter 5, in verse 16. Galatians 5, in verse 16. We were here um, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, and we talked about how that there are two choices here, two types of lives that one can live. One can live according to the fruit of the Spirit, described for us here in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, or one can live according to the works of the flesh, okay. Galatians 5, 19 uh, through 21. But one thing that cannot happen, you cannot follow both of these philosophies at the same time. And we see this if we just read a few verses here, beginning in verse 16, Galatians 5, verse 16. Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed, they're contrary to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you would want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So notice that these two kinds of life, the two choices of life, cannot be blended together. They cannot be mixed. Okay. We cannot please God and follow the works of the flesh. We cannot, we cannot seek to please Satan and expect to be able to obey God and please Him. Okay. Paul somewhat refers to this in the same book in Galatians 1 in verse 10 when he says, For now I am 
For am I now, Galatians 1.10, he says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of God. So notice how the two cannot be mixed. Now let's go from here to 2 Corinthians, a few pages back in your Bibles, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 6. And we'll read beginning in verse 14. These are warnings against the device that Satan uses, the device of compromise. Notice with me, 2 Corinthians 6. In verse 14. Now notice, if you will, before we read this, let your eyes go up to verse 11. And let, let Paul's words come to us. Paul says, We have spoken freely to you, brethren, and our hearts have been open to you. But you have been, you have been restrained. You, you have been restricted. Okay. Uh, he says, you're not restricted by us in verse 12, but you are restricted. In other words, Paul is saying, we've opened our hearts to you and we've brought these scriptures to you. We've been there in Corinth. We've worked very hard. But some of you brethren are still holding back. Why is that? Well, it's because of this compromise business. It's because of this divided loyalty to God. And we're going to read about that here beginning in verse 14. Notice what Paul says. He says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from from their midst and be separate from them. Verse 17. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord our God Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Okay. And so that passage clearly tells us that we're not to compromise in any respect uh, before our God. Okay. Especially when you think about the danger of associations. Okay. Now, Naturally, in order for us to be light and salt in this world, we must have associations with the world. But we must be the leaders in these associations. We must not let these associations lead us into the darkness. We're to be lights in the darkness so we can bring those in the darkness toward uh, the light. Big difference in having associations in the world and being led by the world into uh, the darkness. But definitely, the Apostle Paul is warning, wouldn't you agree, he is warning about unions with those who have no respect toward Christ. 
He's warning about being tied up with those who have no respect for Christ. He's not, he's not eliminating, eliminating all association with the world. Couldn't be because we couldn't fulfill the mission of Jesus in that regard. But he's certainly given a warning about compromise here. All right, now turn over to the book of Colossians for just a second. Uh, forward just a few pages to the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 2. Colossians, chapter 2. And let's look at verse uh, 20. Remember, speaking to Christians, and notice how Paul responds to them. Colossians 2, beginning in verse uh, 20. If with Christ you died to the elements of the elemental spirits of the world. When we become a Christian, we die to sin. We die to a life of worldliness. We won't become sinless, but we are not going to be reigned by sin. Jesus is now reigning over us. Okay? We're, we're dedicated now to him. Okay, so now listen to how Paul speaks to them. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to the human precepts and teachings. You see what Paul's saying here? He's saying you died to these things. Why are you now going back to these things? Why are you still dabbling in these things? Why are you still living like the world when you have come over into Christ? See. 2 Peter 2, uh, verse 20, says that we escape the defilements of the world when we become a Christian. Okay. To go back to that, your, your last state is going to be worse than the first. Okay. So the thing about it, before we come to Christ, we're out here in the world and we're in a lost shape. We come to Christ, we're in Christ, the Lord has a lot of expectations uh, from us, but then we just continue to live like the world. The Lord is not pleased. He says that, last, that state you're now in is worse than the one that you were in before that. See. Now, what's the deal here with these Christians in Colossae who still live in like the world? Were they really converted in the first place? Or are they just being terribly inconsistent? Okay. We're not real sure here. Probably just terribly inconsistent. But still, when a person comes to Christ, part of that knowledge is to understand that, that you're coming out from the world. You're, you're no longer living for the world. You have a brand new ruler. You have a brand new life. And that's what the Lord uh, expects. Okay, so just a few of these passages that warn us about uh, compromise. Uh, compromise. Now, we've put several other here, others here on the screen. We'll just make reference to them because um, that's all the time we have. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. Okay. Cannot serve God and material things. Matthew 12, verse 30, Jesus says, he that is not with me is against me. He that uh, does not gather with me uh, scatters abroad. Uh, we know that uh, Paul says in Romans 12 and verse 9 that we need to abhor uh, that which is evil and cleave 
to that which is good. Romans 13, 14 basically says, make no provisions for the flesh. So staying away from the uh, desires and lusts of the flesh as best as we can, making a dedication toward that end. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 6 says, we are not to go beyond the things that are written here uh, in the New Testament. Galatians 1, 6 through 9 has a similar uh, encouragement there. Paul said that if you have someone come along and they preach a different gospel, then, then let that person uh, be accursed. Ephesians chapter 4, 27 says, don't give any place to the devil. Okay. That's a tremendous non-compromise verse there. Don't give place to the devil. In Ephesians 5, 3 through 14 would be another great passage to study, but you remember there in Ephesians 5 that Paul says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Okay. And again, a similar way that he went and taught to the Colossians, so here to the Ephesians, he says, you came out of darkness, now you're children of light. So walk like that. Walk like that. Don't become part of the darkness again. We are to reprove the darkness and help people see that walking in the light of Jesus uh, is the best way. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, as you remember, says to abstain from all appearance of evil. 2 Timothy 2.19 talks about the one who is named the name of Jesus, and that person needs to depart from uh, iniquity. Titus 1, 13 and 14 uh, talks of those who are swerving away from the truth and they need to be reproved and rebuked uh, sharply. So that's from the book of Titus 1, 13 and 14. James 1, 27 says we need to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. And James 4, verse 7 says uh, we need to resist the devil and he'll flee from us. We mentioned James 4, 17 earlier that he who knows to do good, do good and does it not to him it is sin. First Peter 1.15 is one of my favorites. It says, Be ye holy as I am holy. That's the Lord God Almighty saying that to us. Be ye holy as I am holy. That is a tremendous, uh, impactful statement about not uh, compromising. Joshua chapter 1.7, Joshua was told to keep the Lord's commandments, meditate upon them day and night. Don't turn to the right hand. Don't turn to the left hand. Stay right with God's word. Proverbs 23, 23 and that little context is talking about alcoholic wine and I wanted to bring that up because it's so direct there when he says don't even look at the wine when it is red. Not much room for compromise there, is it? Don't even look at the wine. You know, wine after a while it becomes fermented becomes very, very dangerous. Okay. Don't even look at it. Okay. Now think about the Old Testament New Testament. Okay. I think this is a safe rule. See if you agree. What is con what, whatever is condemned in the Old Testament morally, whatever behaviors are condemned in the Old Testament, are never tolerated in the New Testament. Now, of course, the old law had its regulations about worship and so forth, and that is changed under the new law. But as far as that which is, pertains to behavior between men and women okay, in a moral type way, that which is condemned in the old 
never tolerated in the new. We live in a very blessed age. We're so thankful that we have God's complete revelation that we can, under which we can uh, serve. Some example, examples from Scripture, there are many of these. We'll just make reference and then we'll just look at one specifically. Uh, several in the Old Testament. You'll remember Daniel 3, 16 and 17. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what did they do to show no compromise? What did they do to show no compromise? Well, maybe they didn't do anything. What did they do? Yeah, they refused to bow down. Okay. And that's, a, that's an incredible amount of courage. They just said, regardless, O king, okay, even if the Lord doesn't deliver us, where were they headed? Into a what? Furnace of fire? Furnace. So, uh, but regardless, they weren't going to bow down to uh, the king's uh, golden image. Um, there are several of these we could just refer to. Second uh, Kings 5 is always a favorite where um, Naaman had leprosy and was told to do what? Dip seven times in what river? Not the, not pool so long. What, what the Jordan River? And he, and he argued a little bit because there were some other rivers that were a lot nicer than the Jordan River. And what about one of those? But finally, one of his servants convinced him to go and do what the prophet said to do. And when he did, seven times, not six, not five, not eight, but seven times. Uh, that's when his leprosy uh, was removed. Okay. And uh, that'll be okay. I want us to turn and look at one together, and then we'll get to our open question here. Turn with me real fast to the book of Exodus. You remember Pharaoh, Moses, and Exodus chapter 5, real fast. Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. God, uh, through Moses and Aaron, went to Pharaoh and said, Thus says Lord God, let my people go, they may hold, may hold a uh, feast to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh's first response, verse 2, is, uh, Who is the Lord uh, that I should obey his voice? But now after a few plagues, notice that uh, Pharaoh begins to ask basically for, to compromise. He basically starts asking Moses to compromise. Turn in your Bibles to chapter 8. In verse uh, 25, Exodus 8, verse 25, Pharaoh called Moses, and this is after the plague of flies, Exodus 8, 25, Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God within the land. Okay, so he's, he's throwing out a little compromise here. He said, I'll let you go sacrifice, but don't leave this land. Don't leave this land. Okay. So he's trying to alter the place that God had designated. And that wasn't going to work. Notice um, in chapter 8, verse 28, Pharaoh says, I'll let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you must not go very far. Okay. Well, he, that's, he's trying to change God's purpose here. In the first compromise, he's trying to change God's place. Now he's trying to change God's purpose because 
God's purpose of all this is to deliver his people. Okay. Not for them to hang around. Okay. I'll go over to chapter 10. Notice... Verse 8, Moses and Aaron were brought back. And this is after the plague of the locust. Chapter 10, verse 8, Moses and Aaron were brought back to, to Pharaoh. And he said to them, go serve the Lord your God, but which ones are to go? Well, was Pharaoh saying, you don't have to take them all. But look what Moses said, verse, next verse. We will go with our young and our old, we will go. So Pharaoh keeps trying to get some compromise out of Moses, and it simply uh, did not work. Okay. So let's get to our question here. Why do you think that people compromise? What, how, do, uh, how do we end up reasoning in our minds to where we end up compromising God's truth or the uh, virtues that he wants to have in our lives? Okay. Nice bringing up the example of Pilate. He does do that. He, he tried different things and he saw that Jesus was innocent. He says, I'm just going to wash my hands of this matter. But he was still uh, guilty. Still guilty. Okay. Sometimes we reason and we say, well, just one time won't hurt. Just one time won't hurt. One dabbling into some sexual activity or one one compromise with what I see on, in the media or on TV, okay? or one time of missing church when I could otherwise be there, one time won't hurt. Allison's saying that sometimes we compare ourselves to others, which is the wrong standard. The wrong standard. That's very true. Very true. Luke 18, you remember when the Pharisee and publican, the story of Jesus, went to the temple to pray? Okay. The Pharisee, you know, he's comparing himself to that publican. Okay. He even thanked the Lord, I'm not as this publican over here. So that's very true. And that, that brings on compromise. It surely does. Our sins with their sins, and so, therefore, we must be in better shape. God respects us more than they. Okay. So we have to qualify sins, you know, little sins, yeah. medium-sized sins, big sins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do. We do. Categorize them. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
that's uh, tragic because that's, that's a misunderstanding of the holiness of God. 1 Peter 1.15 Be ye holy. Be ye holy. No, that's true. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 5, uh, he said, You've heard it said, Thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you, Whoever is angry with his brother has committed adultery with, with him already in your heart. Something like that. Yeah. So, who what? <laughs> Am I mixing up two scriptures? Did I say adultery? One sin is just as bad as another. You know? Yeah, that's the point. Is that, you know, we might mm-hmm. learn to say, we might say, well, I don't, I, mean, I didn't murder anybody, so the fact that I left people out and mm-hmm. feel bad isn't really that big deal. Yep. But God tells us that even the things that we consider smaller sins um, just equate equate to the, the big sins. We try to make it not be that way because it's yes. easier for us to do good. Yeah, yeah. We have a vast amount of reasonings and justifications that run through our mind. But Matthew 5, 21, 22, you have heard it said old time, you shall not murder, but whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say unto you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever uh, insults his brother will be liable to, to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Okay, so that's... That's uh, it's better just to read it sometimes. So. Very true. Okay? So one else is it that, that oftentimes we reason together and sometimes we say, well, one time doesn't hurt or, or a little doesn't hurt. What if somebody says, well, just a little, a little compromise won't hurt? What's, what is that about? What are we forgetting then? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Several times Jesus uses that, or has it used. He uses it in Matthew 16, which I think we have that verse up here. We had it up here. Um, Matthew 16, verse 5, he says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, a little leaven left us a whole, whole lump. What's the idea behind that, you think, Houston? Can't separate the part from the whole. And sin never sits still. Okay. So that's, that's the nature of sin. We, got, we, have, we have to remember the nature of God and the nature of sin. Okay. A little never stops being, it never remains little. Okay. It always grows and it can be shared with other people and get them involved. And that's, that's the nature of the case. One, Ken saying one drop of dye in the water just it just spreads. Yeah, sure does. Okay. But um, sometimes we're looking to serve God, but on our terms. You know, when it's convenient, Lord, I'll serve you. I think we had the example up here of the rich young ruler. You know, think about that in regard to compromise. Think about that. Think about the rich young ruler came to Jesus. And 
And he had done and was maintaining a, a good, decent life before Jesus. And Jesus told him, okay, here's what you lack. Go sell all you have. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. You'll be rich toward God. He would not do that. What do you think about the man's soul at that point? He's got all these things going for him, but he walks away. Okay. That is a tremendous example against the idea of compromise. God expects full dedication uh, from us. That shows how close we can be and still be wrong. Yeah. We can be so close, but yet so far away. Brother Paul is bringing up John 12, 42 and 43 where some of those folks around the Pharisees in the synagogues believed in Jesus, but they wouldn't dare uh, confess it publicly because they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. And the truth is, a lot of times we just don't want to stand out for God. We, don't, we, want, to be, we want to mix with the groups. We want to mix with the world. And, it, and for a lot of us, we, the idea of standing out as different for God is just terrifying. Okay. Remember back in 1 Samuel 8, uh, they rejected Samuel. Well, they told Samuel uh, to tell God to get us a king. For what reason? Yeah, so we can be like the other nations. Okay. That was part of their downfall. Okay. But they could not stand it any longer being different than the other nations. Most people don't want to be confrontational. There's some of us that are able to Most people don't want to be confrontational, so they will follow the easy path. And they'll agree with everybody. Yeah, I know it's not right, but the way everybody's thinking, so I'm going to go along. That's one of the biggest ways we compromise. Just uh, running from controversy. The Lord's teachings naturally are going to be, are going to rub against the grain of the world. Okay. Oftentimes we compromise, and this may be a biggie, because we don't want to lose a friendship. We don't want to lose a friendship. We've got this friendship in mind. We want to secure this friendship and maintain it. And yet, the the situation is that if I, if I press my Christianity, then I may lose this friendship. Sometimes that happens. Oftentimes that happens. Oftentimes we enter those relationships and then we lose a soul. We have to remember what Jesus said. He that loves father or mother more than me. Remember that, Matthew 10 and, and 37. Son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Sometimes we compromise to appease a child. You think that's true, Paul? Yeah. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> 
You think you think that happened? You try not to. Way more often than it should. So, a little tidbit for parents and grandparents. Um, if you you know, if you're going to be older, you might as well repeat yourself, because they're going to claim you repeat yourself anyway, right? Okay. So my name is No. My number is No. I live at No. The answer is no. Okay. Just repeat that. And they'll start repeating it. Okay. Okay. My name is no. My number is no. I live at no. The answer is no. And the reason that we can do that and say that is because there's so many good things to say yes to for our children. Okay. And so we want to research and find the things that are wholesome and good and proper for our children so we can say yes to them. There's many ways in which to say yes to them. But as far as the worldly things go, the answer is and always will be and never will be anything else but no. Don't even ask. All right, what other suggestions do you have that, that uh, will bring this class to a close? Because this time's out. But. So let's, let's think about one more. Is there one more reason why sometimes we we give in to Satan? And Makes you don't feel like fighting. Don't feel like fighting. Fighting. We're tired. Okay. Satan can be pretty convincing. Um, Satan can make some pretty good arguments for things until we finally tell ourselves, you know what? That really is okay. Or you know what? That really isn't as bad as I once thought it was. There, there are all these reasons sense and um, you know, like I am you know, stick in the mud or, or too conservative or whatever, whatever reason people are giving you for why you can or can't do whatever the thing is. Yeah, yeah. Satan can be pretty convincing. In fact, going back to 2 Corinthians, Paul does say that he will appear to us as an angel of light he, he, he revels in deceit and deception, sleight of hand. And so yeah, he can make things sound uh, pretty good. Okay. My, what Mike says also is very true. You know, Paul says in Galatians 6, don't be weary in well-doing. In due season we will reap if we don't faint. And oftentimes it is when we're tired that we succumb to uh, Satan. All right, we'll take a few minutes break here and get ready for our devotional period. Thank you so much for being in class.